0: Uh, This is a podcast for the Washington Association of Sheriffs and Police Chiefs. Welcome, everybody. My name is Steve Stran. I am the Executive Director uh, for WASPIC, and uh, this podcast is going to be about behavioral health. It's going to be about potential changes uh, that are being proposed by the governor's office, and we are very pleased to have with us uh, to talk about this Rashi Gupta, who is the governor's policy advisor for behavioral health. Welcome, Rashi. Thank you. Um, So uh, we've been working uh, with Rashi and the governor's office on this issue and uh, we all know it's a huge issue Um, It's been really the centerpiece of our legislative agenda for the last couple of years and it's the idea that uh, mental health has become the center of issues in law enforcement issues related to what do officers and deputies do with folks that are in crisis and not having the resources um, uses of force uh, involving law enforcement is uh, over among those who have uh, mental health issues. And um, again, we all know this, and we have been communicating consistently, and the governor's office has certainly been paying attention. So, Rashi, can you talk a little bit about, first of all, um, if you can do it in a couple of minutes, I know that's hard to do, sort of what's the present state and what the problems Mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. And then we can talk a little bit about the potential changes that we're looking at.
1: Absolutely. So I think that we all recognize that we are not doing a good job in our system taking care of people with mental illness. And I think that um your members are the ones that are really seeing that happening um you know we talk about the criminalization of mental illness and and back in 2008 when i was actually a lobbyist for the washington state association of counties um, during the recession, there were a lot of programs cut, a lot of mm-hmm. outpatient treatment cut and and our talking points then was you know the people aren't going to go away you're mm-hmm. going to end up with people still in crisis without programs and we're going to be seeing them in our jails and we 're going to be seeing them in the street mm-hmm. and unfortunately, um, that's what we're seeing right now and we what we need to do is make sure that people are not in your system because of their illness um, and to make sure that the proper system of care is taking care of the people in that system instead of um, putting it on all of you to do that. So
0: So there's a general uh, agreement among all the stakeholders, whether it be state government, whether it be law enforcement, whether it be the mental health providers, that it's under-resourced, it is not working, particularly for serious and chronic Right Uh, persons. Um, I think there's a general agreement among law enforcement that there are people going through the criminal justice system who uh, would be better treated elsewhere. Um, So again, we're sort of all on the same page and it comes down to a matter of, uh, okay, now what? And that's where we are today. Um, Before we go past that, can you talk just briefly about um, Western State and Eastern State? What is their role? I know they're run by the state. They're, They're a specific responsibility of the state of Washington. And of course, there's been a lot of. It's a very uh, challenging environment, been a lot of problems that have been covered extensively by the media. And what, what's the role of Western State, and what's the status right now of Western and Eastern State?
1: So Western and Eastern State hospitals right now they serve two populations. They serve the civil commitment population and the forensic population. So when we talk about civil population, um, when a person is in a mental health crisis, um, if they reach a standard that would be a standard of being a danger to themselves or others, or gravely disabled, um, a designated crisis responder comes out and if they meet that criteria, We do a civil commitment under the Involuntary Treatment Mm -hmm. Act. So when you hear the acronym ITA, that's what
0: we're talking about. And and meaning that there's not necessarily a crime involved. There's not a crime involved.
1: This is is on the side that it's a danger to themselves or others, Mm -hmm. and we essentially take away their civil rights and put them into a hospital and Mm -hmm. say, we need to take Mm -hmm. care of you and watch you and see if we can get you well. So that is the non-criminal side Mm -hmm. of the system. Mm -hmm. On the forensic side, those are people that come in through the criminal justice door. They've committed a crime. They go in front of a judge, and the judge then determines if or looks at them and if they and talks to them, and if they believe that they may not be competent to stand trial. So we all Mm -hmm. have a right to Mm -hmm. participate in our own defense if we're at trial. And if there is a reason to believe from the prosecutor or the defense judge that that individual is not competent to stand trial, they will be sent for an evaluation. And what we have found, Mm -hmm. and part of a lawsuit called the True Blood legislation, Mm -hmm. is that those people who need a competency evaluation are sitting in your jails Mm -hmm. waiting for a competency evaluation. So in an ideal world and the way the system is set up, the judge should ask for that evaluation and you should be able to send them from your jail to Eastern State or Western State Hospital to get that evaluation done. But we know that there's huge wait lists Mm -hmm. and there's long timelines for those. And so the state hospitals are the place where those evaluations should be done. And okay. if a person is not competent to stand trial, then they do another process called a restoration. And that right. should be done at the state hospitals as well. Right,
0: okay. So the, the and the True Blood, you mentioned the True Blood lawsuit. So again, there's a whole lot of phrases being thrown around yes. and I, you know, again, I do this for a living yes. and I still, it's still so hard yes. to keep it all straight. So True Blood um, <clears throat> is a very large federal lawsuit. Disability Rights Washington filed it. Um, The judgment was in favor of Disability Rights Mm -hmm. Washington against the state. Right. And uh, a federal judge is monitoring with dollars attached. Exactly. uh, The treatment of those who are waiting for competency hearings. And that is one of the reasons that everyone's antenna is up on this. Right. Um, So the state is fully engaged, as is the federal judge and Disability Rights Washington, and they're all players in these dynamics, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the lay of the land today, <clears throat> um, and again, Western State and Eastern State are both very, very challenging institutions to run uh, with the difficult population involved. So that's where we are today. Um, talk a little bit, if you could, as we shift into um, in, in some of the conversations we've had about uh, what the governor will be recommending to the legislature in terms of programs and budgets and um, the fact that we're looking at potentially very substantial changes.
1: Yes, we are. And we're kind of calling it transformation of the behavioral health system. And so um, I've been talking about kind of the buckets of change. And so the governor um, was at Western State Hospital back in May, um, and we know that people with mental illness are served better, um, closer to their homes, and getting... um, their services and treatment there and mm-hmm. so the governor announced that we will be work uh, moving civil people who are civilly committed so mm-hmm. again that's the non-criminal justice side of the people who are at western and eastern state hospital into communities into facilities in their communities across the state um, so one of the major um, investments and in the governor's um, budget will be coming out Um, the week of December 12th and there will be some substantial operating budget and capital budget investments in new types of facilities and um, the governor made a couple of visits uh, this year he was in um, Wenatchee and he was in um, Up in Everett and and what we hear from local officials when we hear from your members is you know we need places to take people Mm -hmm. Um, we know that there are crisis triage facilities we know there's evaluation treatment centers we also know that there's not enough of those and so one of the big things um, that we will be investing in is getting more of those existing facilities out into communities we're also going to be um, working on a new and kind of higher needs type of facility, Um, people with higher and intensive needs who are sitting at Western State Hospital, need to get out in the community, kind of uh, people with higher, chance of going into crisis Mm -hmm. and so kind of Mm -hmm. doing some high staffing levels Mm -hmm. so we're looking at different types of facilities we're looking at doing more of the types that we have Mm -hmm. um and putting more facilities out in the community
0: so um and i warned you i I would ask this question as as a long time law enforcement executive when i hear we're going to reduce civil commitments in western state Mm -hmm. and eastern state and we're going to Whenever I hear the word community, because right. many of us have been burned before, um, it, what we hear sometimes is um, we'll offer a small amount of state funding, but ultimately this will become the responsibility of county or local government right. or private, uh, so private, uh, uh, nonprofits or something like that. But the end result is that the state is not—you know—the state is able to shut something down, and and it's, it's back out in the community. It actually makes this worse. Um, you again, you and I have talked about this, but talk about why that's not what you're talking about.
1: All right, so back in um, May, when the mm-hmm. governor announced that we were gonna be moving civil commitments mm-hmm. in the community, we talked about 2023 is a time that we would be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, when we've had recessions and when people were trying to move people out of the state hospital, um, Things were presented in such a way that there would be community facilities built up or additional pack teams Mm -hmm. that would take over for bed space. And so there were in the budgets built in cost savings and closures of beds that kind of on a very increased pace and mm-hmm. that right now um, what you will see in the governor's budget when it comes out is a real focus on community facilities getting those facilities out and in, up and running and up into the community mm-hmm. to actually build that capacity before we start closing right. down current capacity
0: right so current capacity will come after the outside or the community capacity is built very right. important to note Correct. second second question as you're talking about that is We're not talking about, well, a person who is currently, um, I don't, maybe I'm using the wrong term, but in other words, is not in the community, but is actually in a facility that they can't leave or not able to leave, um, is not going to be sort of, well, we'll do supervision and have them check in, which, again, I think a lot of uh, law enforcement executives have some concern about that. We're talking about uh, a similar facility. It's just not Western State or Eastern State. And serious and chronic patients would still be in a facility that is in effect lockdown or is, again, we don't want to use the term institution because I think that's, but we're not talking about lightly supervised in the community. I mean, serious and chronic patients will still be, that's still recognized as something that needs intensive care
1: we know that it needs intensive care so we have people who are under civil commitments and Mm -hmm. and we do have those secure Mm -hmm. facilities Mm -hmm. we also know that a lot of people that are in civil commitments and this Mm -hmm. is separate from your severe mental so i'm just going to talk about the other people i mean it's 25 26 27 year olds your friends Mm -hmm. sons who have their first psychotic break and Mm -hmm. they end up out there and Mm -hmm. they need to be hospitalized or there's a lot of women in their 40s men in their 60s and all mm-hmm. of a sudden they start hearing voices and things things right. just go wrong and right. and you go to the hospital and we mm-hmm. all have friends and family members who go away for a few months you come back and you get into your life and mm-hmm. so The majority of civil commitments, or a lot of them, are those people. And then when we talk about people with the more severe, persistent mental illness, when I was those new types of facilities, the residential facilities with the high staffing Mm -hmm. levels, those are for the people who they're going to go to a place where they're going to be able to live, but they need higher staffing needs.
0: Right. I got it. Okay, that makes sense. And again, I think it's because uh, too too many of us have experienced... Um, you know, community based treatment sometimes is a euphemism for we're going to do a lot less. Right. And so uh, I just want to make sure that our the folks listening to this, it's clear that exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, um, in, I mean, obviously, one of the challenges is going to be community based facilities where do they go? I mean, that's yet to be determined. Right. Um, and <clears throat> who do you envision as being the, the entities? that would do this and is it again is it counties, is it mental health uh, organizations or both?
1: So it'll be a combination of state run and operated facilities Mm -hmm. and the providers that are in the communities right now Mm -hmm. and so we have facilities across the state um, in King County Navo's Sound Mental Health are are big ones. Mm -hmm. And comprehensive mental health on the east east of the mountains I know Mm -hmm. is known as one of the big Mm -hmm. um, providers so we have Mm -hmm. these community providers that are already doing a lot of these things and we've met with their association and people are ready to make the commitment and um, put up additional Mm -hmm. beds and resources for people
0: and everything you're talking about it costs not just money a lot of money Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. Uh, again, we've talked about this, but the governor's office and I think the legislature understands this is not. This is a very substantial yes. commitment it's over a, time. Exactly. Okay.
1: And the governor has talked to legislators in the four corners. And Mm -hmm. I think that it is very recognized in the Senate, the House, Republicans, Democrats, Mm -hmm. and the governor's office. So we call that the five corners here in Olympia. Mm -hmm. That um, it is time to make an investment in the behavioral health system. And I know when the governor talks about it, he talks about decriminalizing mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, He recognizes that you and your members are the people that are on the front lines and you don't really have a choice but to, you know, right. be be the treatment system, right? right? I mean we hear yep. King County is the biggest mental health mm-hmm. system in yep. in the state and, and it's yep. not good for you, it's yep. not good for people, it's not good for treatment, yep. and it's not what we should be doing.
0: In yep. And in too many of our jails. Are right, right. Doing exactly Absolutely. That. Yes. Um so you talked about sort of the four buckets. So the the first bucket is that civil the, and forensic the communicate
1: right we 're going to do different types of um, treatment options, mm-hmm. so um, you your folks um it 's called uh, intensive outpatient treatment, mm-hmm. so essentially. Mm-hmm. You have someone who's in a 24-7 inpatient bed getting Mm -hmm. full-time care. Um, And the option that we've had up until now is to go home or to their living environment. Mm -hmm. So um, we've kept people in beds who potentially could go somewhere if we were able to have them come back to a facility and and continue to have at Mm -hmm. least some level of outpatient care. So we are funding uh, intensive outpatient treatment so people can leave the inpatient bed, Come mm-hmm. back eight hours up to four days a week mm-hmm. to be able to get some treatment.
0: And maybe I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but it's also you're you're creating a little bit more of a of middle space between yes. what we what was a pretty polarized system. Exactly correct. Okay. Exactly. Okay.
1: Good. Um, and then significant investments in permanent supportive housing. Mm-hmm. So we all know that. People need housing, mm-hmm. um, and then a lot of people need housing with supports, mm-hmm. and so um, the Housing Trust Fund um, mm-hmm. has been funding that. We're looking at um, a bit of maybe a more flexible way of some of our behavioral health providers to also access um, the housing dollars as well.
0: Okay. So that's, those are the focus areas. again And it's...
1: workforce, sorry. Oh, I'm we're sorry. Also Last one. Was, sorry. We're Didn't also, mean to get ahead also of workforce. No, okay. we, we, um, we know that there's actually a national shortage of behavioral health workers, mm-hmm. and it's come into yeah. our state as well. People right. are waiting three and four months across the state to get mm-hmm. in to see a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at um, residencies. We're looking at ways for people to go to school and get scholarships um, and different kind of Ways that people can get their education around behavioral
0: health. Okay. So, okay. Those so giving are assistance types of we're doing. to make sure that we have people to work in the facilities that we're talking about. Exactly. Okay. So um, again, uh, this is not at the margins. This is sort of uh, system-wide. System-wide. Right? Exactly. Um, so what would this, so if this if if the full commitment is made the f- the financial commi- commitment is made by the state uh, ten years from now what does success look like.
1: To me, it is similar to, and when I came into this mm-hmm. job in January, I said, you know, we look at the long-term care system, mm-hmm. and we know, we look at our parent, and we're like, oh, they're getting a little, you know, they're losing their balance a mm-hmm. little bit. We know what to do. You call the AAA in your area mm-hmm. and say, I have a, you know, an aging parent, and mm-hmm. they say, here's the range of options, and mm-hmm. we know you can get a little support you can go into a place where you have someone checking on you two or three times a day Mm -hmm. all the way to 24 7 nursing care and Mm -hmm. when you have that 24 nursing care and you go into crisis you don't lose your placement Mm -hmm. and then end up on the street Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. in a place in crisis Mm -hmm. again so to me we have a continuum and system of care in aging and long-term care Mm -hmm. and so looking at a similar system where people who have behavioral health needs, Mm -hmm. we all know who to call to figure out where they need to go. We have Mm -hmm. a system in place with all the different levels of care. Mm -hmm. When people are committing crimes, it is not because of their mental illness because we have been able to intervene earlier Mm -hmm. and know that this person needs treatment and Getting them into the right treatment. Right.
0: So and that's kind of what. And, and hopefully, from the law enforcement perspective, there are few people, fewer people in the jail system. Yes. Where all of this responsibility for behavioral health follow up falls upon our, our counties and our mm-hmm. cities. Mm-hmm. And secondly, there would be fewer um, people on the street untreated with serious or chronic mental illness exactly. who are then exhibiting violence against uh, residents and law enforcement. Right. I mean, from our perspective, right. that's, that's what it's all about as well. I mean, right. There's, right. You know, so there's a society piece, but also the way that it really impacts law enforcement. So obviously, admirable goals. And now we're at the point of um, how do we get from here to there? And like I said, it costs a lot of money, and that's what's coming up next. But um, this, so all of this, and I appreciate that. Is there anything, by the way, that we didn't touch on that we need I th- to? I
1: think we covered.
0: Um, so this overview is a short one. It is to uh, bring our members up to date on sort of what's, uh, what's being discussed in the Capitol. Um, there's much yet to be seen as we move forward in the legislative session. We will keep everybody in the loop. And uh, Rashi Gupta from the governor's office, we appreciate your being with us. Thank you. Thank you.